ESPN Dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this edition of the show. We're talking AFC East recap. Welcome, Kyle. I notice how you left off what day of the week it is. Because I don't know what day of the it's week Wednesday. it is. Wednesday. Thank you. Today is Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. The D before the N. And it's also AFC East Day. I would say a COD division here that we may know a thing or two about. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're vaguely familiar with this division, considering Joe is the, also the host of Locked On Bills, and I'm also the host of Locked On Dolphins. So you should get some riveting conversation here, Joe. Um, yeah. We're going to go east, if, east, north, north, south, south, west, west. Kyle, if these, distribution. if these people wanted to listen to – like 90 minutes a day of you and I talk, they could have a rotation of draft they dudes, could. locked on bills, locked on dolphins. They could. Yeah. What Imagine. order would you, you should go, you should go draft dudes. No. I'm trying to think of what the right order would be to listen to those. Well, I think you should, we should be the nightcap draft dudes. because it's us. Yeah. It's us together. Yeah. So whatever team you like more between the bills and dolphins, you listen to that one first. Yeah. Start your day off. Right. Yeah, then the other one you listen to at lunch. Waste your time with Locked On Bills. Got it. Please. And then Draft Dudes for the icing on the cake. <laughs> Nobody does that, do they? We're, we're, we're putting out a hypothetical out there for that just is not. Oh, man. Please, please tell me somebody actually does it. They'd be my favorite person on the face of the planet. I would say so. I sometimes listen to Locked On Dolphins. Yeah. Sometimes. What do you think? What do you think? It's not bad, right? It's okay. I like the intro. Um, it's just too much about the Dolphins, you know. That's where that's where it loses yeah, me a little. It's understandable. Yeah. Well, let's let's go. You want to go order they finished the division last year here, or do you want to go alphabetical? alphabetical. On, yeah, alphabetical on the spreadsheet, please. So you get Buffalo out of the way. Well, yeah, and I, I'm very anxious to to get your takes on the Bills draft class because I don't think we've really talked about it that much, and obviously no first round pick, but. How do you think the Bills did um, improving their roster with what they had? Still seven picks. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty handcuffed coming in without the first-round pick. Obviously, you're not going to be sad that you spent it on Stephon Diggs. So if you put Stephon Diggs in here and you say, okay, top 100 picks for the Buffalo Bills were Stephon Diggs, A.J. Epines, and Zach Moss. Well, I'd say you did pretty well. Uh, I think the dynamics of the Bills' backfield will be interesting. Uh, Joe, you might have the fastest 40 time out of anybody in that backfield. Hey, mucho, take it easy. They, they got a full they, second on me, actually. You know? They they just don't have speed. Now, here's the good news. Buffalo's not really built for that to matter a whole lot anyway, right? They, they play physical brand of football. They got the quarterback run component there. So you at least have the opportunity to hold defenders in the box a little bit with Josh Allen's mobility and athleticism. So – the speed of Stefan Diggs as a run after catch threat and a guy who can possibly get some more dynamics in the vertical passing game because uh, he's longer, a little bit larger catch radius than John Brown makes a lot of sense. I like that addition. Zach Moss. I think they needed a second back. I would have liked to have seen somebody with a little bit more bounce in them than what we got here with Zach Moss, but, you know, if you're looking at let's take a strength and identity and continue to keep it a strength and identity, the Bills did that. And then with AJ Epinesa, 
I know Buffalo has endured some losses along the edge, and Jerry Hughes isn't getting any younger, and obviously A.J. Epines is a very different kind of player. Uh, but I think he, from a play-style perspective, is going to give Sean McDermott plenty of quality play on the edge in the run game, and I like the versatility that he has to kick inside, and I like that Buffalo has had some experience and exposure kicking linebackers out off the edge, like the Lorenzo Alexander role, which I know is now vacated because Lorenzo's no, no longer there, uh, but use him as, or use Epines as a guy that kicks down inside and lets somebody rush outside of him. What do you think Epines' ceiling is? That's something that I've gotten a lot of questions from Bill's Mafia, and, and it feels like maybe within Bill's Mafia there's wide-ranging viewpoints about what he can be in the NFL, and I think we both think he's a very solid prospect, but his true ceiling, what would you? where would you peg that? It depends on how much you play him inside-outside, in my opinion. Well, and that's one thing that uh, Brandon Bean mentioned when talking about Epines is they thought he had some three-tech ability in addition to playing on the edge, which you know they kind of have a player like that in Quinton Jefferson that they brought in. Maybe that speaks to some, uh, some different personnel groupings uh, with this 4-3 defense. So my high-end comp for Epinesa, I don't know if you saw it. I, I, I haven't, think yeah. You have not? No, I, you're, whatever you say right now will be news to me. Okay, it's extremely ambitious, but the high-end comp for him for me is a Calais Campbell-type player. Oh, brother. Let's go. But <laughs> I came up with that before he tested like dog poop. Okay. So bring us back down to earth here. Trey flowers. That was the guy I put down. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a $20 million year defensive lineman, right? Well, let's not get too excited about his paycheck. Well, let's do because he was really good and got paid a lot of money. He was hurt since. So, but Trey is more, Trey is less of the three technique guy, right? Yeah. He's Trey flowers is more like pure base end. Which I which I think is more Epinesa. I don't I don't get too excited about him as three tech role. I don't. I mean, I think it's okay on rush situations, but I mean, the Bills are so deep at three tech. Like, I don't feel like you need to be investing reps of Epinesa there. In my opinion. So here's interesting. I got Calais Campbell's combine stats up. Okay. Five one in the forty. All right. <laughs> Sixteen bench press reps. Very Epinesa seventeen. Yep. 29 and a half in the vert. Epinesa was like 32 and a half. Uh, seven, four, five in the three cone. I think that's identical. Four, six, nine in the 20 yard. I think AJ was like four, four something in that. And he was 290 pounds. 275 for, for Epinesa. Okay. So that's, that's where it hurts a little bit, right? Is yeah. it's like, if you add 15 pounds onto him, what does he look like? <laughs> How right. much more explosiveness do we lose if we're already not super explosive? Right. To me, it's just honing in on the power, right? If I'm AJ, you know, I wouldn't concern about your weight. You know, I don't think you're going to drop lower, right? Weight's not going to be important. Just continue to get that power and, and you know, keep your feet going, right? Like just keep doing agility work and, and hone in on that and try to become a more complete player. But I mean, yeah, he's a long armed, heavy handed collapse the pocket type guy and he's going to get his hands on guys and make it really difficult for those defenders to get their hands on him and he's going to win reps and he's got to disengage and find the football and then he made a lot of plays at Iowa and I'm anxious to see how he does uh, for the Bills here's an interesting comp 
Okay. Zach Allen, Boston College. They didn't get drafted too far apart either. No. Yeah, I guess that's pretty fair. And there were people that thought Zach Allen had first round tape. Obviously, you know, he didn't show well in in Mobile. And he didn't test with explosiveness. But I think that's that's kind of the this if you want the sober comparison, because we're sitting here talking about really good football players. If he does not hit that ceiling, if the athletic limitations with his size prove to be a handcuff, I think Zach Allen is kind of a more realistic comp. Kyle, before we close the book on the Bills, uh, can you give us some thoughts on Jake Fromm? Uh, Nate Peterman slide 2.0, and the same team took him. So there were a lot of people who got snookered into team success at Georgia, beating out Jacob Eason and Justin Fields, and thought Fromm was going to be a high-end prospect over the course of like the summer before the 2019 season. So much so that there were people that thought he was QB1. And uh, I think Jake Fromm is the latest case study of like physical traits to a certain degree do matter at the quarterback position. Because if he's as smart as you think he is, and he takes care of the football, why is this a fifth-round pick? And it's because from a physical skill set perspective, he does not have requisite arm strength. He offers you nothing in extended plays and getting outside the pocket. So what's your ceiling? Right. That's. I mean, I'd say the ceiling is like Chase Daniel or Colt McCoy. And I think I had... Um, Cody Kessler is the comp. So here's the thing I will say about Fromm compared to Peterman, because I don't think from a physical perspective, they're that far off. And Peterman's a better athlete, to be honest with you. Fromm hopefully understands the limits of his arm strength. and doesn't think he's going to be able to hit throws outside the numbers with consistency without a squatting defender breaking on that football and housing it. That's where you hope Fromm can make up the difference, right? Being even smarter, hopefully. Know your limitations. Right. With these noodle arm quarterbacks thinking they can hit those speed outs, they can't. And that's just that's an example of how the playbook is just limited because of the lack of physical gifts. Right. So I, Bill's Mafia is a little surprised with me that I said, I don't think he's going to beat out Matt Barkley because Matt Barkley is 10 years advanced in in that ceiling, right? In terms of the the preparation component where he brings value to the bills is because of what he can do, you know, Monday through Friday in the the film room and talking with Josh and going over pictures on the sideline. Those are the things that Matt Barkley brings to the table. You don't want him to play. Well, I mean, from the same level of physical talent, but he doesn't he's not as nuanced and far along in his career in terms of being that mental aid in the room. So they're going to carry three quarterbacks. That's the only way. And I've been going through some roster projections. When you keep that third quarterback, you make a concession somewhere else. You have weird linebackers. You know, you you take a hit on your defensive line. You have to cut a, a good player there. You'll have less receivers somewhere on your roster. You pay for that. And the Bills have never kept three quarterbacks under McDermott. So tell me what his course is to make this roster. I don't think there is one unless he plays at such a level that makes you say, you know what? We can't let this guy go. Matt Barkley, thanks for everything. And I don't think that'll happen because they love Matt Barkley. They'll carry three quarterbacks. You think so? Yeah, I do. 
You think Fromm's making this team? Yeah. Fromm. Which I will say, if, if you're right about that, if they keep three quarterbacks, yes. But that's the only condition. It won't be – he won't be – the quarterback room won't be just Allen and Fromm. It will not be. Right. So there you go. There's the concession. All right, Kyle. Miami Dolphins. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. They take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. <laughs> I never knew the words, but now I know something. They're in the air. They're on the ground. They're always in control. Because like when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl. There's been a few lies in that song that you just said. Well, listen, it was written in the 70s, so. Made a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not anymore. Okay, uh, I listen, I went in on the Bills. You tell me about the yeah. Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you got to be thrilled with Tua. Um, perfect fit there. I think as soon as they brought in Chan Ganley to run this offense, it was tailor-made for Tua. Love how the, the quick trigger horizontal passing game will complement how good Tua is in that area. But then you bring in the power run component, sets up the play action, and then the vertical accuracy is going to be on display for Tua. So I think it's a match made in heaven. The only concern, and I mean the only concern, is the injuries. And, and if that winds up not being a problem, I think Tua has everything you're looking for to be a high-level dynamic franchise quarterback at number five. And you have to love that they were able to sit there and get him right. The the story going into the year, two out of the dolphins, two out of the dolphins. Well, damn it. The dolphins go out and win five of their last nine games, get themselves out of the first pick. Joe Burrow becomes a God at quarterback, but they still get two at five. So you built a winning program there with Brian Flores being able to overcome the worst collection of football players that's ever been assembled to win those five games you establish some some winning culture some identity there some uh some just not like wired the right way you start to program yourself in the right way and you still get the quarterback that you would have taken at one you know in terms of perception going into the year so I think that's an absolute win um Austin Jackson at 18 this came down to I think a stylistically a good fit for their offense and that the, the the tackle market dried up pretty quick. And, you know, look, it was one of those deals where I don't think either you or I is going to value Austin Jackson at 18, but from a scheme fit, from kind of the, the way that things were going, I mean, Josh Jones was the popular pick there. He goes in the third round. Well, good thing they didn't pick him at 18, right? So, uh, I mean, I think Austin Jackson, you can give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit because I know he couldn't prepare for the season the way he would have wanted to given uh, you know, his generous gift to saving his sister's life with the bone marrow thing. And, and uh, you know, hopefully that'll help him dev- have a be a stronger football player moving into the next uh, phase of his career because I thought that was something that failed him a bit was his anchor. But Noah Igbenogany, you can never have enough good corners. Uh, you have three corners now in, in Xavier Howard, Byron uh, Jones, and, and Noah Igbenogany that can really thrive in man coverage. And, you know, you're going to see a lot of 11 personnel in this division. We know that's something that – Brian Dable likes to run with the Bills. They have three good receivers. You're going to see it a ton with uh, the Patriots coming from that that same uh, type of philosophy. They'll run some 12 personnel, but they'll give you plenty of 11. And you get three good man corners. Uh, It gives you some flexibility if Xavier Howard doesn't bounce back and he continues to have injury problems. Uh, Having having good corners is never a problem. So I I think in the first round, it maybe didn't look exactly like you thought it would going into things, but I, I like how each player fits the team and uh, gives them a chance to to, to have a, a young player at, at three critical uh, roles, right? Premium positions there at quarterback, offensive tackle, and corner. If you're like me, you're probably thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without even leaving the house or even opening the door. 
Given what's going on in the world, they've created non-contact deliveries. So when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen, you guys need to be supporting your neighborhood spots right now. I've only been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier by picking up everything I need from Walgreens and 7-Eleven and dropping it right outside the door. So just download Postmates from iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDONNFL. That's code LOCKEDONNFL for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates. Did a nice job. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could keep going, but I that I wanted to emphasize the first three, you know, the three first round picks. All right. I where love do, Robert where do you, Hunt. Do you know where they're playing him? Hunt. Mm-hmm. I, I'm fine with tackle or guard in that offense. So they're going to try him at tackle first. Good. That gives you a chance to get Dieter on the. You could start Karras at center. You could start Dieter at uh, guard. No, they're, they're, Jesse Davis is going to take that spot. They're going to kick Jesse Davis back inside. I thought he might be the swing. Well, he's played left tackle, left guard, or left tackle, right guard, and right tackle. You will not find a single offensive lineman on the Dolphins line that can't play multiple spots. Yeah. Which is a good good problem to have. Yeah. Because you find the best combo of five. But I would expect Dieter gets first crack uh, competing head-to-head with Ted Karras, who's on a one-year $4 million deal. Well, I think you want Dieter to win that job if you can Yes, Karras is no slouch. You love having that guy as your backup interior guy. Correct. I would expect Dieter and Karras are in a one-on-one battle for center, and they're going to flip-flop Davis and Hunt and put Kindly in the mix for competing for right guard and right tackle. Oh, tackle for Kindly. No, kind, kindly would only be in the mix at guard. Right. But it's like you're finding the best combination of three out of those, of, of two out of those three to play yeah. on the right side of the line. Scheme fit for kindly too. And I know he battled an injury a bit this year because his 18 tape was better than 19. Yeah, I I came into the year and like got a, got a hold of kindly's tape and I liked him a lot. Thought he might be a top 100 guy, but his tape this year was bad. And then it came out that there was a, I think it was a foot issue or yeah. something like that that he yeah. played through throughout the course of the season. So like, yeah, it's 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 all scheme fits, and that's why I'm excited. Even though if you gave me individually the individual players, I'm not yeah. blown away by the value of some of the guys that they took. But when you consider the scheme that they're going into and philosophically what the Dolphins are very clearly going to try to do, it gets me very excited about seeing that product. Yeah, and that's what kindly is. Raquan Davis, man, like all the long arms and heavy hands you can find, right? <laughs> yep. He'll be a better pro than he, than he was college player. Yeah, you know, and I, he wasn't asked to do it. People talk about the lack of sack production and stuff, but like he wasn't asked to do a lot. Right. Of that. Uh, and it's, it's that that's an Alabama thing. That's this. He would not be the first guy to leave Alabama and suddenly <laughs> find penetration role that he, he didn't have beforehand. 
But you watch his tape. I mean, even last year where people griped about that he didn't develop, like he still controlled reps. He still showed good technique. He was really good with his hands. He's still powerful. Like all this stuff was still there. It's just like he was kind of a, of a scheme, like scheme discipline type player. And I don't know. I, I get nervous about him being a good player. I do. <laughs> I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he's got first round traits. So, I mean, I, I look at him. And I think about the the dynamics of the Dolphins' offensive line. You know, imagine they go four-man front with Van Noy as, like, the rush linebacker off the edge. But you go uh, Shaq Lawson, Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins, Emmanuel Ogba, and Van Noy rushing off the edge. Yeah. It's a lot of power. That's a lot of length. Yes, that's a very Patriots-esque construction up front. Don't you kind of wish that they had us like a slasher type player in this front seven? From linebacker or in on the line? I guess either, but more so linebacker is what I was thinking. Just one of those guys, like, I don't know, even like a Kamalai Correa, like a Tishan Bowser. Oh, I, I, I wanted them to sign Correa so bad this offseason. One of those guys like that, man. Yeah. Slice some gaps. Well, maybe it'll be, uh, maybe it'll be Gruger Hill. I don't know. Maybe. Because they, a- they came, they signed Elandon Roberts. Yeah, he's a lightning they rod. Got- they got Kruger Hill. They have Jerome Baker who could play inside. Dude, it I might like, be a Landon Roberts. That might be the guy I'm thinking of to do that. It wouldn't surprise me. Send him through a gap. Jeez. That'd be the guy I would pick, right? Animal. So there you go. He's there an animal. Go. Yeah. All right. Interestingly enough, Roberts uh, had his best career in, your, in 2018 under Flores. His reps were like cut by two thirds or something like that this past year without Flores in New England. And he was getting fullback reps. Do you know he caught a touchdown against Dolphins week 17? Yeah. Did he, get, did he have a, did he have a rushing touchdown as well? Some point in the year? I got to carry. Uh, something? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Yeah. I just know he caught a pass in the flat and broke a tackle and ran 30 yards for a touchdown. I mean, he's him. a sick athlete and he's yeah. an animal, complete animal. I'd want him. So let's uh, let's keep the line moving here. Yeah, you know, we we didn't really get into too much of like the Curtis Weaver fall and stuff like that, but you know, the conversation for another day. Yeah, uh, Patriots had to pick a twenty three. They elected to move back. Lo and behold, this team who came in with a first and then nothing until uh, the late third round ends up getting picks at thirty seven, sixty, eighty seven, ninety one, and one hundred one. Very balanced, right? Yeah, this is, of course they did that. This is, that's the least surprising thing for me was Patriots rolling back and getting five picks around the top 100. I don't know. I don't think they have like, I think they're, they're all of their picks, like not necessarily their last two, but the, the first all the way through 195, it's like good player. Like I can see a role for them. I like them. Um, you know, I, I really like Josh Uche, Uche, however you say his name. There you go. You got it. Uh, I think he gives them they get the slasher that I was just talking about. And, like, you know, they lost a lot of guys. They lost Van Noy. They lost Jamie Collins uh, in this front seven. And I Danny think that – Well, Danny Shelton's not anything like Josh Uche. 
Well, I'm saying just guys they lost. Yeah, they lost. But in terms of that that guy that gives you some juice off the edge, you get Uche. I mean, him and Winovich is a fun little outside pairing, man, to get after people. You Anthony think Uche's, to, you, you think they're going to try and put Uche in the Van Noy role? Yeah, I would. I think that's ideal. Anthony Jennings him. was a weird one for me. He's the he's the polished technician, right? Just does everything right. He's your base end. Uh, in my view, I wouldn't stand him up. I feel like there's some talk about doing that. I think that would be a gross misuse of his skill set. But he's a very disciplined player as like a base end. That's what I would do with him. They took him at 87, though. A little high. A little high for sure. Right. And that, that was the surprise for me. It's like, fam, you had two more picks in the next 15. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but I like the tight ends they got, though, right? Asai Asai and Keen is a fun little duo. Yes. Athleticism. Is there, is there any question this team is going to run the ball 30 times a game? They have to. They don't have a quarterback that you want throwing at 40. This is going to be, yeah, this is going to be a play defense, control the clock, run the football. You know, they're going to be a very, they're not going to be very dynamic of a football team, but they have a formula that can win. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the Kyle Duggar pick a little bit. 37. They trade back. That is their top pick. Not surprising, right? Because the traits that he has is explosiveness as an athlete, Bill Belichick and player development, uh, kind of a Swiss army knife chess piece that they'll be able to move around. The Patriots love their defensive backs in general, but 37 for Duggar was surprising for me. I know you and I were both much higher on Jeremy chin. Yeah. And chin ended up going, I think 64 Carolina traded up to take him at 64. Yep. So, what does the ideal role look like in this Patriots defense in your mind for Kyle Duggar? Well, they lost to Ron Harmon, which I know they love to play three safeties, but they, you know, they brought in Adrian Phillips. Um, to me, it's one of those deals where I think they're going to play him a lot of matchup specific stuff. Uh, if they want an extra box defender, they have Duggar that can do that. You think because of, of his size and athleticism, not necessarily because he has a, a resume of tape where he's playing close to the line of scrimmage and processing quick. Um, if you want to play him deep, he certainly has range and, and ball skills. Um, you know, it's something where I, he's not a great processor. So if you play him that far off the ball, maybe it gives him a chance to see things a little bit cleaner and, and, you know, be able to make up for some of his misreads, which are all over his tape. Um, I, I don't know that he could play man coverage, even though some people think he can, that's not something he showed us at Lenore Ryan. So I think he's like anything that I think he can do, he's a little bit raw in, but I do think he can do multiple things with development. And I think that's where Belichick might have some appeal here in terms of he's got a really nice ball of clay here to work with that can do multiple things if he can get the technique down. It's uh, it's about the best possible landing spot that you could have hoped for for Kyle Duggar. Yeah. To work in that that coaching staff. Um how about these offensive linemen they stole here late in the draft on when you and Heron. Yeah. Nice. That's such a great, you know, and they gave up, uh, they gave up nothing to go get Michael and when they gave up two twelve and two thirteen to go up to one eighty two. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, and it's, it's like, like last year they got good juice and Jolte Froholt. Like they've got some like nice young offensive linemen in the pipeline here, man. Yeah, they traded a lot to get to this spot. They even traded up to get 
of Dalton Keene at 101, too. They came up for 125, gave you're ready for this price 125, yeah. 129, and a 2021 six for 101. Damn, that's a pretty steep for that's 24. hefty. So they 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 like Keene. That's the takeaway there. They did not want to get out of day two without having him secure. Yeah, he's a nice player, man. He can do some things for him. I, I mean, they may have their top two tight ends in those two draft picks. Honestly, I mean, they, well, they do. Matt Lacoste and Ryan Izzo, like, no, <laughs> no thanks. These guys are, are fun players. I'm so bummed to Sai Sai win here. Well, yeah, it's perfect. Player, man. It's perfect for him. He'll reach his ceiling there. And they traded up from 100 to get get him. They have a 100, 139, and 172 to go up to 91. Look at Bill Belichick here with um, – his kicker and punter on rookie deals now, right? They drafted Jake Bailey last year, and they got this kicker from Marshall. They cut Goskowski or whatever that happened with him. Yeah. So that's interesting to me, you know? Big changes across the board in New England. Yeah, no, what's what's like the like the, when you look at their roster, like what's the one piece that you're like, yeah, that guy's been around a long time? Is it like Hightower and Chung? Yeah. McCordy, I guess. Nothing on offense. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, Adelman. you got Edelman. I don't know. He's trying real hard to go to Tampa. I you bet. See how, how upset he is on social, like unfollowing Tom Brady and stuff like that. Butthurt, man. <laughs> Poor guy. Maybe you should stop calling Poor for guy and then blocking. <laughs> Such a jerk, man. One of the dirtiest players in the league. New York Jets. Yeah, I know how you feel about Edelman, so let's let's get on to the Jets. Here. <laughs> uh, the Jets, huh? Well, I pretty much just gushed over them in an article for the Draft Network yesterday. I literally love every single one of these picks. Mims, Becton, Clark, P. Ryan, Zaniga, Bryce Hall, Ashton. D- yeah, Christ, man. Even James Morgan is developmental quarterback when you had like so many different guys start games for you last year. Your backup quarterback right now is David Fails. I think I, I mean Joe Fails Douglas, will follow Adam Gase to his grave, by the way. I, I know that I they are a pairing for life. They're like swans. <laughs> Do swans pair for life? Yeah, did you not know that? I did not. I thought I penguins, I, I penguins, right? Okay. And swans? Swans made for life. Is there any other animals that do that? I'm sure there is. All right. That's fun. Good old loyal swans. There you go. 11 animals that mate for life. Thank you. This is swans. The, this is the segue we always needed. Okay. Swans. Black, black vultures. Okay. Kind of went the other way with that one. <laughs> French angelfish. Wow. Okay. Wolves. 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 All right, I didn't know that. I feel like I should have known that. Albatrosses. So a lot of birds here. Termites. You're that kidding. No, that's that's not real. They're no, blunt. it's it's it's. No, we're not going to sink time into it. I'm just going to. There's there's some fine print there. Prairie voles. What are those? Like little mice. Okay. Turtle doves. Okay. Um, bald eagles. Okay, all right. That's it. 
So bird, so penguins aren't on there. That was something I made up in my head. Maybe there's certain species of penguins. I don't know. Not sure. All right. Well, they got to throw that out. A lot of birds, though. Yeah, a lot of birds. Let's talk about these jets. They fly as well. <laughs> what a segue. Uh, my favorite pick. All of them. I like Denzel Mims at 59, man. How'd he get down that far? It's like the 13th receiver drafted. Yeah. I don't know. Surprising. You know, it's... I don't know how he fell this far, especially because typically when a receiver gets that, but it's not like he was just tied to Green Bay and then Green Bay didn't pick him and nobody else wanted him. You know? Because, like, Mims was such a popular pick for the the Packers at 30, and then they trade up and go get Jordan Love. He still should have been in demand. I Who would you know. rather? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you all fired up here. Who would you rather have between Denzel Mims and T. Higgins, who went 33 oh. to, the, to the Bengals? Mims. Did you see the, rate, uh, the, the Bengals declined trade offers for 33 to stay put and pick T. Higgins? I did not. I did not. But if they were going to take a receiver, they should have traded back because they could have gotten a better receiver and more draft capital. Right. There were a plethora of receivers that can – that could have filled a, a role as a catch point receiver, which is what T Higgins P- does. P.S. Denzel Wims, Mims was my wide receiver five. So if you're not one of the big three or Justin Jefferson, I liked Mims better than them. And he was wide receiver 13. Thoughts on Mekhi Becton? I mean, what's not the love, right? I mean, obviously he's going to make Le'Veon Bell better, which is necessary. He's going to blast open holes in the run game. And he's a ton to get around in pass protection. So as long as he, you know, continues on the course that he was last year, he's got every trait to be a dominant tackle in the league. And I love that they went the route of investing in the offensive line with that top pick. They could have sat there and picked the receiver. There was the good ones available, but they took advantage of the depth of the class, waited, got Mims at 58, and still got one of the top tackles. I think this was a great way to build around Sam Darnold with these first two picks in the right order. Piran's a great compliment to, to Le'Veon Bell, too. Yeah. He still runs angry. You still get that physical component. He still gives you pass catching. So, like, you'll get a B version of everything you can get with Le'Veon Bell you're going to get from the same guy in B-Ride. So it's like you can rotate him in and not take anything off his plate. Think about Cameron Clark as your left guard next to Mikai Becton. He ain't going to win that job year one. Not not year one, but, I mean, who's their guy? Alex Lewis is their guy there. I mean, you right. Clark in 2021, let's go. Nate Davis won that job with the Titans about mid-year. Mm-hmm. Charlotte, man, putting its players in, dude. Did, did we see where Benny LeMay landed? I know Cleveland. he got a UDFA somewhere. Cleveland? Cleveland, yeah. Okay, well, he ain't going to make the roster, but. No, he'll bounce around. I still bit. like Benny, man. Works hard. Um, Defensively, I know you you want to get on your soapbox about Bryce Hall here. I, I mean, but let's talk about, Let's talk about Ashton Davis first. Yes. Because he went at 68. Yes. If there ever was a safety, Greg Williams could play 20 yards off the ball. It's Ashton Davis. This was the guy. Right. So <laughs> is does this spell doom for Marcus May? Maybe after this year, but May and Adams are both, you know, expiring contracts. Obviously they have the fifth year deal on and Adams, but 
if they don't want to pay May, they can they have Ash and Davis in place. But I mean, if you want to do some stuff in dime packages where Davis is your deep guy and you 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 put all those guys up in front of them, you've got some really nice coverage concepts you can run there. Yeah, and they got between Bryce Hall, who hopefully is healthy, yeah, and Pierre Desir, yeah, and Brian and Brian Poole as the nickel, right? Yeah, you go dime package and you go like three down linemen, and you get three safeties on the field with the nickel, so you got six DBs, <laughs> and Jamal Adams is prowling around inside the box. Let's go! I right? like what I like what some of this looks like. You got CJ Mosley there. Um, we're going to presume Avery Williamson bounces back. Yeah. Base so those are two linebackers. Yeah. So if you go, if you go three, two, three, two, six for dime package, you could eventually effectively emulate a three, three with Jamal Adams in the box. And you would have Williamson Adams and Mosley on the second level and Quinn and Williams. Henry Anderson, maybe we get Nathan Shepard in there. Yeah. Three down linemen. They just don't have a lot of heat. They're going to have to be so blitz heavy, and that works well for Greg Williams. Right. Right? Yeah. But that's you're not going – I don't think this is a team that's going to organically create a lot of pressure. Nope, never never will. But that's where – Greg Williams, like said, he doesn't need, like, pass rushers. Imagine. He, <laughs> I know. I know. Remember, there's this whole debate right now of like pass rush versus corners, right? Right? Yeah. Greg Williams apparently doesn't subscribe to either. <laughs> well, because his corner room is Desir, who got cut by Andy, had a nice year in 2018, a little bit of a fallback there in 2019. Bryce Hall, who's a rookie. Brian Poole, who's a good nickel. And then Arthur Mollet. Bless you on Austin, Bennett Jackson, Nate Hairston. They traded for Quincy, no, Quincy Wilson too, right? Yes, they did just trade for Quincy Wilson. So, I don't know. I guess they're if, if you can tap into what Wilson showed at Florida, maybe. But right. I don't think their corner group is very strong, and I don't think that like it, this is all going to be on Greg to get it to work. Well, His I mean. safeties it, are strong. I know he's busy turning down head coaching offers, but he's got some stuff to work with here. <laughs> yeah. I would say the more they go base, the less I like it, though. Because oh, if you then pass you have the ball when they're in base, then yeah, they're in trouble. Right, because it's like you have to you have to choose which safety you want to leave off the field. And if you were to pick the Jets' best 11 defenders, you're probably leaving three of them off the field in your regular base between Brian Poole and Ashton Davis at the very least. They got two right there. Yeah. That's fair. So, and then obviously Steve McClendon's not going to bring you a lot of value in pass rush and good run stuff for them, man. Yeah. He's they're, they're physical up front. Interesting. Adam Gase, Adam Gase though, the coach though, you know, well, yeah, that's – we'll talk about coaching staff some other time. We're done here. Worked our way through here. AFC East in the books. How would you rank these draft classes, Joe? Um, Not going to hurt my feelings. 
Jets are one. Dolphins two. I mean, you can go the volume route with the Patriots picks. Yeah, Patriots bills. I would go Jets one, Dolphins two, Bills three, Patriots four. That's fair. I mean, I think it's a push. The The Patriots just had more picks. Right. But I think the Bills, I mean, with Epinesa, they're going to get a good defensive lineman there. Zach Moss, I think, is an ideal compliment to Devin. And you get a vertical threat in Gabe Davis. That's That could be what's the, that's what your fruit of that draft class could be. Right. And, and Dolphins just getting two at five. Yeah, it's tough to. And, and then going volume the rest of the way, even if you don't love all the fits. Right. Makes that a strong class. Yeah, they're two for sure. I think it's Jets, Dolphins, and then you can argue with your cat about three and four. Flip a coin. Well, <laughs> don't flip a coin on whether or not you guys come back tomorrow. Please do. Kyle Crab signing off. Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. That's it for us today. Back tomorrow with the NFC North Division recaps from the 2020 NFL Draft.